Hey, look at that. I've got the microphone on, the camera on. Everything is copacetic here this morning uh, and working as you should be. We're in the book of Acts for the third chapter. This is part, I'm sorry, the first chapter. This is part three of chapter one. Uh, it's taking us three three sessions to get through chapter one. Uh, and today is uh, no exception. Uh, it, it's going to be maybe a full morning. We'll see. Uh, how it all turns out as we work our way through this passage of Scripture here this morning. Uh, and uh, hopefully, hey, tell me, uh, leave a comment. Have the comments been working? I'm just curious about that. The ones that you see in the Facebook world there, uh, are they working? Um, just, just curious to know. I know I've been including them here. 
doing this uh, or doing even uh, this, whereby I'm putting the comments on the screen where you can see them. So uh, just want to make sure that you're getting those comments. Those are listening live. Those of you that are listening later on, uh, I am available on podcast uh, on probably eight or nine different uh, of your favorite podcast services, including uh, iTunes, uh, Google, uh, several, several of them. And so you can listen. They're, they're listen only. They, I'm not including the video. I, I opted to go with that variety. So some people who just want to listen and can download the episodes can download and listen. Uh, otherwise, you can view them on YouTube and on Facebook later on. So So, uh, Fran saying, I don't see you wishing me a good morning. Uh, did I? Yes, you were my very first one, Fran, uh, that I said good morning to. Uh, and I don't, I don't see Don either. So I don't, uh, uh I don't know, uh, but I, I see you. Uh, so anyway, um, Hey, we're going to get in the book of Acts. For those that uh, listen later, uh, they're maybe not so interested in uh, what what we're doing, the fun we're having. And those that listen later, I mean, we, we do have a lot of fun, honestly, uh, a lot of fun here uh, in the morning live uh, with comments and questions. And, and not only fun, but some good growth, some good conversations, some good comments that are made, some good prayers that are lifted all those things are part of being a part of this live. Live is Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Why so early? Well, I do so early because, you know, people need to get out and go to work and things of that nature. And uh, so I, I, I've opted for six. And it works for me, too. I mean, I need to get out and walk my dogs. And, you know, I, I have offices and meetings and things to go to as well. So, you know, uh, it just kind of helps on that front. So, uh, that's why we do 6 o'clock. Acts chapter 3. Let me get us over there, get into the passage this morning, picking up at verse 12. It says, uh, then they returned to Jerusalem. Now remember, they have just watched Jesus be, be uh, or ascend, be raised, not raised in the sense of resurrection, but raised from the earth, ascend from the earth up into heaven. They were standing there gawking up into the clouds, and the angels came and said, hey, Jesus told you what to do, get into Jerusalem there and wait uh, for the gift. Uh, and then they they also said, verse 11, he will come back in the same way you've seen him going into heaven in verse 11. They're saying that, and, and we know that we will see him come back again someday in the same way. Verse 12, then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. Now, let me just stop there. A Sabbath day's walk. Now, that, that is kind of a curious phrase. Uh, and so what, what is meant by that? Some would say, well, it just it just means a, a full day's walk. Well, well no, a Sabbath day's walk. Actually, a, a Jew on, the, on Shabbat, on Sabbath, was permitted to travel 2,000 cubits. That's about uh, 1.2 kilometers or three-quarters of a mile. That was how far they were allowed to walk on Shabbat. They were not supposed to, you know, be doing these lengthy travels. Now, 
for us in the West uh, and who didn't grow up Jewish, we think, well, that really impairs things. I mean, they they can't even go very far on Shabbat. The point of Shabbat wasn't a day to, to just frolic about and go on vacation. Uh, Shabbat was a day of worship. Uh, Shabbat was a day of rest for the body. Uh, and interestingly, was in a conversation yesterday, uh, two groups, the Jewish people, uh, those who are practicing Jews, and uh, those who practice the Seventh-day Adventists, on average, study shows, live eight years longer on average than everybody else. Why is that? Uh, some believe because of some of the dietary restrictions that are a part of being Jewish or being uh, a part of the Seventh-day Adventists, uh, and others would add to that, they also regularly follow the rest routine of Shabbat, of Sabbath, and, and get the rest that their body needs. And some of us go, oh, fooey, pooey on that. But, you know, God gave us the Sabbath for ourselves. God gave us the Sabbath for uh, our own benefit. And if he created it for our benefit, wouldn't he know best? I mean, I, I kind of find it interesting that we tend to think, well, we know better than God on these things. I mean, God God just doesn't understand my life. Oh, really? Really? God doesn't understand how busy I am. Really? You know, what if we were to bring our busyness to God and say, God, help me to figure out how to live this busyness in a way that reflects Jesus, in a way that that follows uh, follows the, the scriptures in, in terms of, of trying to work in uh, at least the Sabbath principle uh, of a day of rest. And what we do with a day of rest is, oh, it's a day to go grocery shopping, it's a day to wash the car, it's a day to, uh, you know, plant the garden, it's a day to, you know, go visit people, it's a day to all these other things. And just to come back, and, and yeah, I think some of those things are okay, um, but it, we, we make that day the catch-all day to catch up and everything else. We're, we're just too busy, uh, you know, and there are countries, the happiest you know, the happiest country on earth is one of the countries that has some of the shortest days, the country of Finland. But it's also a country that they've shortened their work week. And you talk about that with people in the business world and they go, well, yeah, that ain't going to work. That's just, that's just stupid. That's just a waste. Wait a minute. Time out. They are psychologically, relationally, emotionally better off than are we. Uh, maybe there's something to their practice. Maybe the fact that they, they give people, um, you know, the time off and, and we just want to drive people into the ground sometimes. And, and we're, we're missing, we're missing the Jesus way of life. Well, anyway, I, I, I've, I've labored this point too much the Sabbath day's walk. Just what does that mean? The Sabbath day's walk from the city, uh, is just that little bit of distance. And the Mount of Olives was, was within that distance back into the text here says this, they, then they return to Jerusalem from the, the hill called the Mount of Olives, a, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. It wasn't very far within roughly about three quarters of a mile from the city. It says when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. 
They all joined together. This is a different Judas. This isn't Judas Iscariot, just for the record. It says they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, Imim, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. So we know that there were up to 120 people who were here gathering together, uh, praying. And verse 14, it hits on something that is so critical for us. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Constantly in prayer. It doesn't say, hey, they they, they prayed for 15 minutes and got off and went up and made mazaki or... Uh, uh, made uh, Mandizi or whatever it's called. I don't remember the name of it right now. Uh, it doesn't say they made tea. It doesn't. It, they, they joined together in long seasons of prayer. They had learned that from Jesus. And along with them, women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Now, I think it's significant that it includes that little... Uh, little tidbit of information for us there because it wasn't just a men's prayer meeting. There were men and women who were praying together. And I find it interesting that there are churches, some churches, that when it's time for prayer, you have to split up the men and the women. Uh, in fact, there are still some churches in our day where the men sit on one side of the church and the women sit on another side of the church. Interestingly, right here, we see them all together, mixed together, praying. Now, you might be saying, but Jim, you don't know that they actually were we're praying, you know, the women could have went into one room, the men could have went into another room. Uh, but verse 13 says, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. If you know anything about the houses in, in, in that era, in that period, often they didn't have lots and lots of rooms like we have. I mean, I've got a kitchen, I've got a living room, I've got my office, we have two bathrooms, we have uh, three bedrooms. Uh, I have a basement. I mean, there are all kinds of places where people could separate out here in our house. No, they were in prayer together. The men, the women, those who were the apostles uh, and the women and others. Uh, and we'll see at the end of the passage that there were others. It says, in those days, Peter stood up among the believers. Let me get back into the text. So, so among the believers, a group number about 120. He said, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke uh, long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared this ministry. And I just want to stop there for a second. I mean, we we can pretty easily just, you know, throw Judas aside when we read it in black and white, but you have to realize Judas had been with them for a while. He may not have been with them the whole three years, he may have only been with them for the last 18 months or the last year. We, we don't know exactly the length of time that Judas was with them, but he was one of them. He walked with them. It, it, it is commonly believed that he was uh, in charge of um, the treasury. Uh, he was in charge of, of keeping track of you know the inventory and stock of food and things of that nature. Uh, it, it, that, that is a belief about him. He served with them. He 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 prayed with them. He listened with them. He slept in, in the same areas where they slept. I mean, he was one of them. 
And so the fact that Judas did what he did, I mean, there's a double whammy. Not only is something really bad happened to Jesus, at least initially in this uh, arrest and crucifixion, uh, but then also to realize that, that Judas was the betrayer. And then not only was Judas the betrayer, Judas, we know, would go and take his life. I mean, this this affected them deeply emotionally. It wasn't it wasn't just oh he's he's out of the way now let's get somebody else. I mean they were troubled. These were troubling things. So when we go through through things in our lives, you know we we look at the Bible sometimes like it just doesn't have emotion. It's full of emotion. This situation is full of emotion. Think of the roller coaster ride they've just been on, from uh, walking into with Jesus walking into Jerusalem on the. Uh, what we now call Palm Sunday, the triumphant entry of Jesus, uh, and them thinking, okay, Jesus is going to overthrow Rome, we're going to get our country back, to then watching him end up being, uh, hearing all this teaching during that week, and then seeing him be uh, uh, betrayed, arrested, falsely tried, uh, wrongly crucified, a spear thrown through, through his side, uh, verifying his death, seeing him be buried, a stone be rolled in front of, of the opening. Uh, so from the height on, Saturday, uh, on Sunday to the pits on Friday to the astonishment, the stunned astonishment on Sunday when they see, when they experience him in the resurrection and then those subsequent 40 days to follow, uh, and then in the midst of that, to realize that here Judas was the one who was the betrayer and to realize that Judas is the one who uh, would then take his life. I mean, it, as Peter's speaking to them, I mean, he is speaking kind of as the leader. The two, two, three, two or three primary leaders, Peter, James, and John, uh, being primary leaders. Uh, and what did he say? Verse 16, Peter says this. Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was a number of our ministry. Uh, he, he was of our number and shared this ministry. Uh, with the reward he got for his wickedness, Judas bought a field where he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Now, you know, there, there's a question here about how Judas uh, ended his life. Some say he hanged himself. Uh, and then this one talks about him being uh, cast over a hill uh, where his, uh, he fell headlong and his body burst open. And some will take that Bible difficulty and place the two together and say, well, uh, Judas hanged himself. Uh, he, he hanged himself by wrapping a, uh, a rope around his neck, jumping over this cliff, uh, and the rope broke, uh, and then he fell headlong uh, down, and his uh, insides were burst open, and he died. I mean, it, that's how you put those two uh, discrepancies that you might read about. It, it's a sad situation, uh, and, and I could probably, probably should sometimes spend some time talking about uh, suicide and, you know, the, what is the, the theological view of people who commit suicide? You know, I, I do not believe personally that those who uh, are genuinely uh, born again 
who are also plagued with uh, emotional or mental or difficulties in life who do commit suicide, I personally don't believe uh, that they perish in hell because salvation isn't of works. Salvation is of faith. Uh, and if, if one has, tr- and, and they've shown plenty of fruit, uh, has communicated their faith, believes in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, uh, and yet the circumstances of life and, and perhaps their own upbringing and nurture and all those things that factor in would cause one to take their life, I do not believe they perish in hell. Now, that's my belief. There are others who believe anybody who commits suicide perishes in hell. And, and I, I mean, that that is also another uh, position that many people will take because no murderer shall see the kingdom of heaven. That's what they will point to. Well, okay. Um, so it is of works then. If you do the wrong work, then you don't have salvation. Uh, no, it's a faith. So, I mean, we could debate that issue and go on and on and on, and I, I, I don't want to do that here. And uh, But other other than just to, to say that, um, that little bit there. There, I lost my... my uh, I lost my comments for a second. Back at it, back into the text here. I, I want to finish this passage today. Uh, verse 19 says, Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that that field in their language Akeldama, which that is a field of blood. They called it a field of blood. Uh, in fact, we know the religious leaders wouldn't take the money and put it back in the treasury. They went and bought basically a field of blood, a cemetery, uh, is what they did with the money because they knew it couldn't go back in the treasury according to their own law. Verse 20 says, for, for, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Now, I, I am not saying that he is saved. I, I don't know. I don't know what the, what the final outcome for Judas would be. I, I don't know if his if he actually truly ever really believed. I don't know. Uh, I'm not trying to say, hey, you're going to see Judas in heaven. I don't know. We cannot know. Um, all I was stating to you is that there are people that I have known or people that I know that have had family members that have taken their life that have been plagued with lifelong illnesses, lifelong mental illness, uh, and and varying different types of things, um, who have demonstrated love for Christ and love for for the Word of God and love for Christ people who, in the midst of their torment, uh, end up taking their life. And that's what my comment was upon. Um, Because Peter has a pretty astounding statement that he makes here. May his place be deserted. Uh, let there be no one dwell in it. May another take his place of leadership. And he is quoting from a variety of Psalms here. So Peter's conclusion is, therefore, it's necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord went in and out among us. So they're going to pick from some men who were uh, among them for basically that whole three years uh, so here it is, uh, beginning from John's baptism to the 
time when Jesus was taken up from us, for one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Now, what, what is it telling us? Uh, it is telling us that um, this person is a person that was a part, uh, that actually witnessed even the, the baptism. Uh, and from the time that John was baptizing, and maybe he was a disciple of John. Uh, but this person was witness to pretty much all the things that, that were happening uh, during that three-year period that Jesus uh, was in his ministry. I'm going to come back. There's comments there. I'll come back to those. Uh, so they proposed two men, Joseph called uh, Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. I put that on the screen so you can see it. So they proposed two men, Joseph called uh, Barsabbas, not to be confused with Barabbas, different person, uh, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry which Jesus, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the 11 apostles. Interesting how they choose the person. Uh, and they are praying, Lord, show us who you have chosen. Verse 24. Uh, the casting of lots. Now, before I get to the casting of lots, let me go back over to the comment side because there's a comment there that uh, it is fitting and it's a good reminder. Yes, exactly. Claire hits it right. Uh, Jesus mentions prayer that Judas is lost, uh, the son of perdition. Uh, so that does tell us in, in, in Judas' case uh, that maybe he was never really a believer. Maybe he was. Uh, um, Maybe he was enthralled with what he saw Jesus doing and, and was saying, hey, I want to be a part of that road show. And, you know, it's pretty marvelous. And maybe he was thinking, hey, I, I want to be a part when when the Messiah overthrows Rome. And and maybe spiritually he never really connected. That, that very well could be the case because of what Claire is saying. Um, uh, Jesus mentioned in his prayer that Judas has lost the son of perdition. None has been lost. Thank you, Claire, for that reminder. That does tell us, yes, we do know that, that uh, Judas was lost. Uh, I don't always remember all these things in the midst of all the verses that we're working through here. So thanks for that reminder. Um, much appreciated. Now let's talk about how they chose people uh, here in this passage. I mean, we're seeing some of the qualifications Uh Verse 21, they have been with us the whole time that Jesus was here, so that that is one of the qualifying factors. Uh, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. Now, interestingly, Jesus chose from the 120, 12. It says in verse 23, so they proposed those two men. We talked about that. Then they prayed. Now, I want to just talk about something very interesting in verses 24, 25, and 26. They prayed to the Lord, but then they cast lots. Uh, and the casting of lots uh, is, is a very interesting uh, Old Testament practice. Uh, 
I mean, it, 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 it's something in which the outcome uh, is determined uh, as something which is considered random, such as like rolling dice. Uh, sometimes what they had is they had a bag of stones, uh, and there was one stone that was maybe a black stone in the midst of several white stones. And the person that picked the black stone out of the bag uh, was a person, was the person to whom the lot fell. I mean, it, it was usually, and this is a very interesting thing, it, it was often viewed as a form of divination by which the will of God was revealed. Now, divination, we tend to take that word and always think of it in a bad way. But divination is to divine, to determine, to discern. It might be another word to put there. The book of Proverbs assures us that uh, the lot is cast into the lap of the person making the decision, but the decision is from the Lord. So let me let me read to you uh, some of the Hebrew. from Pro- This is Proverbs 16.33. Uh, Proverbs says, uh, the, the, the lot is cast is goral into the lap of the diviner. But the decision, the mishpat is from the Lord. The mishpat is from the Lord. The decision is from the Lord. And so uh, that is is what they did. They're like, Lord, we don't know how to to figure this out. And and so we're going to cast lots. and that's exactly what they did. And we read about this various places in the Old Testament, and it's like that seems like a very interesting way to uh, to make a decision. Uh, and yes, it was. But to me, the key in all of this is found in verse 24. They prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen. Uh, they are trusting in God's sovereignty. Even in the uh, the casting of Lot, uh, they are looking to the Lord and they are taking whatever happens as being the Lord's will. Now, you know, is this the best practice? I don't know. It was a common Old Testament practice. We do not read about this again in the New Testament anywhere. In fact, this is the only place, really, I think, if I recall, the only place in the New Testament where we read at all about the casting of lots. But that's what they did. That's how they made their determination. That was the process that, that they followed. But first was praying. First, it was trusting in the sovereignty of God in, in, in the outcome that would come through the casting of lots. And as it says, uh, we read, the lot fell to Matthias. He was added to the 11 apostles. Now, I mean, there, there is really not a lot more said about Matthias the apostle. Uh, there is some historical data. He was one of the 12 apostles after Judas was replaced. Uh, he was the only one who wasn't personally called by Jesus. Well, that, that isn't true because we know that uh, that Paul, although Paul was called by Jesus, but Paul was was one that wasn't necessarily a part of that whole uh, entourage that, that Peter's talking about here in Acts chapter 1. Instead, the other disciples chose and replaced Judas Iscariot, betrayed Jesus and died shortly after his crucified. We know this. He is only mentioned by name in Acts chapter 1, verse 23, and Acts chapter 1, verse 26. Uh, and then he is, from that time on, considered to be part of the 12 when they are referred to 
collectively. Um, he met the requirements. That's all we know. Uh, and and he is one of the more obscure. Um, and often there's much confusion about uh, Matthias identity, which makes it difficult to learn much more about him. Some say that he was Nathaniel. Some say he was Zacchaeus. Some say that, oh, they even mixed up with Matthew, but Matthew had already been chosen, so it couldn't be Matthew. Uh, much of what we know is really rooted in legend, but we do know that, that he qualified as, uh, as one who could follow after Judas uh, and take that place. Anyway, that we would trust the Lord, that we would look to the Lord, that we would, as we're making decisions, even when you're making decisions in ways that might seem unconventional, we're trusting in the sovereignty of God for the right choices. So today, may we be people who, in the choices that we have to make today, may we be people who trust in the Lord. Uh, may even as, as, as church, as the church, our local church and the broader church and those the, the big C capital church or Christian ministries, may we be people who seek after the will of God and, and don't just press forward in our own, um, this is what I think should happen, but may we say, Lord, you know everyone's heart, show us what we should do. May we be that type of people who would look to the Lord in that type of a way. Well, I'm going to let you get into your day. Uh, I'm going to get us wrapped up here. Um, I don't know that there are other comments here other than uh, at the end, Lord, hear our prayers. Have a blessed day. Uh, so, Lord, yes, hear our prayers. Hear our prayers that we would glorify you and how we live our lives today. Lord, be glorified, be honored, be lifted up. Help us to enjoy you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day, everyone. I'll see you tomorrow. We'll get into Acts chapter 2.